good to be together. Glad everybody made it uh, safely down the river. Pretty slick out there. I'm going to read out of Isaiah here. This is a song we used to sing a lot, but I just uh, was reading this last night. It stuck with me. It says, it's where he's talking about uh, those that are thirsty, come to the waters, Isaiah 55. Come by eat, come by wine and milk without money and price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. And I was, I, I like here, I was just thinking about this line about inclining your ear and that leading to mercy. And, and uh, I'm just aware of reading this, how uh, important it is. Uh, we know that the Lord is, is always drawing us. He's always uh, more than able to minister to us in every situation. What is on us is to incline our ear. Uh, the mercies can all be there. The help can all be there. But there is such a difference of just thinking about things or wishing things were different and inclining your ear to the Lord. Uh, it just, it's, it's the difference that makes all the difference in the world. It's just, I know for myself, I can spend a couple of days just in anxiety thinking about something and wanting it to be different. And finally come to the place where I just, Lord, what are you doing? And I want... And I, Inclining my ear. Uh, you incline your ear and you find out why those mercies are sure because they're there every time for you when you incline your ear. Uh, I'm thankful for that. I, I, th I think that that's, uh, it's so simple it seems almost uh, that easy to miss where there is always an opportunity of turning yourself to the Lord to really say, Lord, what do you have for me today? This is, this is, Saturday morning, it's dark outside. Lord, I'm going to incline my ear. I don't know what you have for us today, but you have plans that are good. They're new. They're going forward. Your purposes are good. I want to incline my ear to what you're doing. Lord, help, help extract me from the business of what I'm doing, from the anxiety of what I'm not happy with, and just let me uh, incline my ear to what you want to tell me. It makes all the difference in the world to, to change our day, to open us up to the help that's available. Uh, that's critical. And uh, a, day, a day without that help is not a good day. And we don't have to have a day like that. Uh, really, it is possible that every day we stop and engage in that and incline our ear to what the Lord has for us. Uh, and we're changed. That's just, just about as simple as that. It's just as simple as reaching into that, which um, what a little bit of what Sam was talking about on Wednesday. Let's gather and enter in. Amen.
Fabian's probably got a pretty good word after what he was doing this week. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing that. For those that don't live here, he was doing his annual event of pumping all the septic systems. So, yeah, it is a necessary evil. Pretty much, I mean, at least for me, I'd probably go home right now. It's great when the Lord meets us in worship. And, uh, it's kind of a good way to start the day. And so, I've got a few thoughts um, this morning. I'll try to put them together here a little bit, but. <clears throat> Sometimes it's, it's good just to reflect on the, the blessings that we have and just the goodness of the Lord, of, of what he's done in our midst and in our lives. And, and we don't want to lose sight of the good work that's going on in, in each one of us. And the hard things that come up and the hard things that we have to deal with and the situations that we don't see a good solution for, it's just part of the process that he's taken us all through. And it's, it's his mercy that keeps us on the track. And his grace for us that, you know, when we don't deserve it, that keeps us going, it keeps us on the, on the path. Now, thinking, we've come kind of a long ways of, from where, you know, it's, Talking, I think it was Kevin was mentioning the other day, just about the old days of living kind of hand to mouth and um, reminiscing about digging firewood out of the snow, you know, trudging through the snow just to get enough firewood to keep the stove running at the shop so that we could stay warm and, you know, wondering where our next meal is coming from and, and all, the, all the things, the hardships and the simple, I mean, life was pretty simple in some ways then. There just wasn't a lot of extraneous stuff to do rather than just stay warm and fed. And we've been through a process since then and God's blessed us on many fronts, but it, it, it kind of can bring a level of complication to your life that now it's like, how am I responsible with what I've been given? How am I, what do I do with the things that have been set before me to do and set on my plate to be responsible for and we don't want to get lost in in the serving and the um, distractions that can come along with you know when when life is simple you just get up and you go dig the firewood out of the snow and you find put some food on the table and you keep going but we don't want to get distracted by you know an, an easier path and because there is a lot that can distract us and what I've been dealing with lately in my life is just uh, realizing how, how far or how, how much more in my heart I need to have a love for really the Lord and his, his work and the people here. Because I have kind of a, a pretty strong sense of duty and that can take you down the road a lot of ways and you know we, we get up and we, we come to church and we 
um, do the things that are required of us and things that, my, that I'm responsible for. And that sense of duty, and you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm doing what I have to do, can take me down the road a ways, but it's not the thing that's going to hold me in the long run. And that's, that's what I'm, you know, we, we go through seasons of life and there's, there's times where, um, you know, you, you feel really close to God and you feel, you know, you know, after youth camp was a good, it's good kind of a, a boost and a jolt and the kids that were here and just the energy that's involved with that, you know, and, and, and you, you feel, you feel fulfilled and you feel, you know, amped up for the, the journey ahead and the kids are excited and, but you know, you go through the seasons of life where, where you can go through other times where it feels like you're just performing a duty. And that's, I mean, there's, you know, we, we all go through those things. It's, it's not a bad thing. But I have to come to the place where God, lead me, Lord, like a shepherd today. You know, don't, I, I don't want to feel just the sense of duty and I'm doing my part. And I'm just going through the motions and I'm just here because it's the thing I have to do. But God, I, I look back and I see your hand moving in my life and the mercy that's kept me on the ship for these many years. And I want to I see that every day. So it's not just a duty that I'm performing. Um, I was, some of you know, I was I, uh, a couple months ago now, I guess. When was it? Sometime in August, I believe. Um, Peter Whitmer was up here fishing down. He was down in uh, Anchorage with his brother. They went out to out of Seward fishing. And uh, when they got back in, I went down to Anchorage and spent the afternoon and had dinner with them down there. It's really a great time. I haven't seen them for like, I don't know, I was trying to think. It's been like 10 or 12 years or something. And I really don't have a lot of contact with them. So it's really great to connect. And, um, he's been up here fishing a couple times. I told him, man, you really need to get your get your butt up here and see us if you're in the neighborhood. And uh, he's like, oh, man, I don't know how I'd be. I said, believe me, ton a lot of people would love to see you. Anyhow, so we, we had um, some pretty, I don't know, just wide-ranging conversations. And uh, it's, it's great to connect. But, but what, one thing that he said that just caught me was... Um, he said, what, what, is, what is life like there now? Do you guys, is it just a, is it just a good lifestyle or is, or is there still people that are excited about moving on and doing what they're doing? And it was a great question because it's like, I don't know. I, I had to stop and I was like, well, you know, honestly, there's, there's a little of both. You know, we, we're, we're, we're comfortable now. We've, we've got room to move. We got nice houses. We got good program in place and, and I said I said really for me I said I have to take it day by day because some days it is a lifestyle and there's other days where I'm pushing into God and it just it just it just caught me that he was you know because he, he's kind of down there he doesn't have a lot of people that he's fellowshipping with but he's still he's still crying out and searching for God in, in, in the way in the place he is and um that is the danger, I think, that all of us can come to, is that this just becomes a denomination and a lifestyle that we're doing here. And I think 
that happens in the church out there is, you know, they have their list of rules and their list of uh, doctrines. And if you don't like this doctrine, go find another church where the, you know, we don't want to get caught in the, in just the duty of what we're doing here in the, in the, the rope every day, step by step, do my thing. The thing that will keep us from being just a denominational lifestyle is when, when God, I, I want to love you with my whole heart. I want to love you like you love me. I want to be led every day like a shepherd. God, let me have my ear like Gabe was saying this morning. Is, you know, when my ear is inclined to hear him, that's when the relationship is going to go somewhere. And it's going to be more than just duty. Because, you know, there's, it's what you sow to is, um, is so important to, to what you love and what you, what you want to pursue. You know, there's, there's times when this book, the Word of God, is, is so alive and I just love it. And seeing how things work together and how it's, you know, put together. It's, it's, but there's other times where if I'm not sowing, if, I'm not, if, if, my, if my focus is not in the right place... You open this up and it's just, I can't even read, you know? It's just like, shut it off. You get distracted so easy. But we, I, I got to come to the place in my life that, God, I want to love you. I want to I I be fully committed to what you're doing. It's not out of duty. It's not out of rote. It's not out of a sense of responsibility. All those things are great. But, God, there's got to be something working in my heart that I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to live a double life. You know, it's, it's funny. I was reading. I didn't read, but I, I listened to audiobooks recently. Um, I was on the road a lot. So <clears throat> was, um, but I, I listened to two books about double agents in, the, in World War II. And one of them was a Russian guy, um, Oleg. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard about him. Oleg something or other. He was, he was a K, his, his whole family, his dad had been a KGB guy. And he was a KGB, and he didn't like the way that the communist system was going. So he started spying for the British. And passed, he was actually one of the, he was, turned out he was the biggest source of, of KGB insider intel ever in, during that time. Um, but he was a double agent because he was, you know, in order to keep, keep the information flowing, he had to get himself sent to, to Britain so he could be there to send information back to the Soviets. And so they would, you know, he would send information back to the Soviets with stuff that wasn't really going to harm anything. But he had to keep giving them information so that they'd keep putting him in places where he could... Anyhow, but life was so complicated for them because they couldn't let either side know what was going on. And his wife didn't know what was going on. I mean, she lived with him and he was so... Everything was so compartmentalized of what he did. And the other guy was a, a British guy, and he was like a professional thief. He was a, just he breaking into safes and causing all kinds of havoc and womanizer and all this. And he, he uh, went, he started spying for the, for, for the Germans, but then what he really wanted to do was, was would give German information to the British. So, but just their life is so complicated. I mean, you know, they can't have any trails that can be followed. And it's like, you know, they have these safe houses where they go meet up. And it's like, you know, if I need something, I'm going to put a thumbtack on the top of an elevator down to the whatever, you know, just all these complicated, you know, I'm going to stand. I'm going to be eating. One of those things was 
If you see me out in front of this place eating a Mars bar and carrying a plastic grocery bag, that means this, it just, this, all this complicated stuff that was it just fascinating. But just the, the peril they lived in all the time of, you know, being caught by one side or the other. But, you know, for me, I don't want to live in a complicated double situation like that. It's like, God, let me, let me be all in. You know, forget all the other distractions and all the stuff that I got to be careful that this and this don't want to offend the wrong person and whatever it is. It's like, God, I want to be all in on this thing. I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I don't want to be distracted by things that can come up and be just just continue in a sense of duty because that can only take you so far. Um, there's a, a great scripture. We'll, we'll turn over to this and I've always been sort of bugged by this story. This is in Luke 10. write down some notes, but I heard you ever follow them. Um, this is uh, <clears throat> this is the story of Mary and Martha. It's Luke 10, 38. Um, it says, It happened as he went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And there's, there's another place where, um, where they're talking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And uh, it says, Martha, I think it says, Martha, whom Jesus loved, and her sister, and Lazarus. So it's like he was calling Martha by name, but not didn't mention, you know, it just, you'll see it here in a minute, but... Martha, in verse 4, he says, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. I love the way this, this translation says, says that. Tell her to come help me. I'm doing all this work. And, you know, she's sitting there at your feet listening to what's going on. And, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I don't know, I've kind of been bugged by that story over the years, because it's like, I mean, there's stuff to do. We can't just sit around and, you know, let somebody else do it. I mean, we all got to do our part, right? We got to pitch in, and we got to go to work, and we got to do the things that need to do, but we do. I mean, what's, you can't just sit around and, be religious all the time, you know? But I don't think that's the heart of what's going on here. Yes, we have to be responsible. Yes, I have to perform my duty. Yes, I have to do the things that are put before me. But my focus has got to be, God, I want to I find you in the middle of this. In the middle of my serving, in the middle of my duty, I want to I be sitting at your feet and have you speaking to me in, in whatever situation that I'm in. You know, I'm, I'm doing my job, I'm doing my thing, but I don't want to be distracted by those things. I want to sit at your feet and have your word be the thing that's ministering to me. It was funny, we had, there's this guy at, uh, at Graham when I was growing up. He was, I don't know, I just thought of this when I was distracted by things. But <clears throat> he was, uh, you know, those were simple times too. We had a lot of work in uh, 
you know, out in the wood, out in the woods, working on wood. We, we burn, we burn like 400 cords of wood at Graham River a year when we were at, at peak operation there. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of wood. I forget, we had a, it was like, um, I think there was, at one time there was like 40 fires burning, stoves, because we had like 30 cabins and you know, stove all in, a couple in the cabin, in the tabernacle, it was just a lot of wood were burning. But anyhow, this guy would be out there and he would <clears throat> work in, in the garden, you know, be a bunch of people together. He'd wear earplugs and he had this little New Testament in his back pocket. And uh, um, he'd pull that thing out every now and then and read it and go back and kind of get this, this you know, contemplative look on his face and go on and <clears throat> do his thing. But it was, uh, he's, he's fairly religious, but he, was, he's, he kind of was making a point of, you know, I'm just got my earplugs in, I'm tuning out all the distractions of whatever you guys are talking about, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here, me and the Lord, going about my duty. And, you know, it's it, kind of religious, but it's, it's, I have to kind of use that picture to say, yeah, I, don't, I want to block out the distractions of yeah. what's going on. And, you know, yeah, I have to perform my duty, and I'm here working, and I'm doing this, but God, I want to hear your voice in the middle of this. Yeah. I don't want to just be performing my duty and going and being a good boy and doing what's required of me. God, I want to find you in the middle of this. Let me love you the way that you've loved me. Because that's, that's where the life is. That's where, the, that's where I'm going to find fulfillment in my life is when I allow myself to, to, to sow and to have that love that's, that's there. That's, that's what's going to hold me through. Um, I was... I was reading... Let's, let's look over there for a minute. I was reading the story of Jonah you know, a month ago or something, and it was just... It's a pretty crazy story, really, if you think about it. Let's turn over there for a minute. <clears throat> um, things were pretty complicated back in the uh, back in the Old Testament where, you know, they were... To, to come to the Lord, you had to bring your dove or your goat, your sheep or your bullock or whatever it was, and go through all these steps to come to the Lord. And that was, you talk about duty. That was a pretty big duty to go through all those steps. And if you missed one of them, I mean, you know, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he had a, he had a rope attached to him that if he screwed something up before he went, and he had these little bells on the bottom of his, his robe, so when he went into the Holy of Holies, if they didn't hear those bells ringing for too long, that meant that he had died in there because he had done something wrong. And they'd use that string to pull him out of the Holy of Holies because if somebody else went in there to pull him out, there's only certain people that were allowed into there. But you talk about duty and going through the motions of having everything right. That's pretty heavy duty. And, you know, fortunately, we don't have to, we don't have to live like that. <clears throat> but... Here's a guy, um, Jonah. He, I don't know, it's just the story of it. It's like, I, I, I guess at some point he just shows you that God can sort of use anybody. <laughs> I mean, read, read, we'll just read through this a little bit. But, you know, he, God told him to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. And the Lord sent out a great wind, the tempest, the ship was about to be broken up. And he's down sleeping in the hold. And 
you know, they're trying to figure, they've done all they can do to, you know, they're rowing hard, they're throwing all the stuff out of the boat and make it lighter so they don't sink. And they go down and find him sleeping. And he had just, he just said, decided, no, I'm not going to go do the thing that God wanted me to do. And so, um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's, uh, let's see. Okay, verse 12 of chapter 1. So they're saying, what are we going to do? And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. So the interesting thing is here is that he's a prophet of God. I mean, God spoke to him. He heard God and had this conversation about, no, I'm not going. But his first deal here was not to cry out to the Lord and say, God, calm the sea, calm the storm, you know, help save us, be with us. His, his deal was, no, I'm going to nope out of here and I'm going to go in the sea and then you'll, you guys will be fine. So he was just, you know, I don't want to find myself in that situation where the going gets tough and I'm find myself in a tough spot and it's just like, no, I'm just going to jump ship. You know, I'm out of here. You guys are on your own. But God wants to bring me to the place where in the middle of that place, that's why I cry to him. That's, you know, that's what I have to find. But so he thought he was getting, he was, thought he was going to get out of there, take the easy way out, right? He was going to jump in the ocean and be gone. Wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. But the mercy for Jonah at that time came in the form of a fish. And it's just a, it's a crazy story. It's like, it says, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And I don't know if that great fish was like following the boat around or Jonah was floundering in the water for a while. But whatever it is, the mercy of God, when he was, he was ready to just check out. You know, I'm out of here. I'm running away from God, getting a tough space. Well, I'm checking out. The mercy for him was God prepared something there for him to, to save him and to give him another chance. And, you know, the prayer that he cries from the belly of the fish is something that... It's something that I got to internalize for me. God, when I'm in the depths of despair, when I'm, in the, when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm in the valley of my own wallowing around and whatever it is, it said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Verse chapter 2. Out of the belly of Sheol, because of my affliction, he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And that cast out of your sight is not something that God had done. God sees all. Jonah had put himself in that position. You know, I'm, I'm cast out of my sight. And from this place of despair, from this place of, of um, need and desperation, it said... I, yet I look, toward, I look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds are wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you in your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving and pay what I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Um, 
sometimes our mercy is, is there. We don't even know it's there. But it's so important, I think, um, Oshia, I think, talked about it last Saturday. But just the, the mercy that we have to, to recognize that and acknowledge it and use it for ourselves and for each other. Because that's what's going to keep, that's, that's the thing that keeps me on the path when I feel like I'm just going through my duty and my, my roads. The, the mercy of the Lord can reach me in that place and set my feet up on a rock. And if, if you keep reading, this, <clears throat> reading the story here, um, you know, he goes through and uh, he's preaching to the people and there's a great repentance and uh, goes through and they, you know, they proclaim to fast in chapter four, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. I mean, what the heck does he think he's doing there? I mean, geez, he's preaching to these guys, repentance, and that, then they had this great revival, and he's mad because he wanted to see fire and brimstone. You know, it's like, where did, he, where did God find this guy? And he said, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you're a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Now, Lord, take my life from me, for it's better to die than to live. You know, I knew that you were, I knew that I was going to go do this thing and tell them that they were going to be destroyed and something was going to happen. You know, this guy must have been a real peach to live with. I mean, it wasn't, he wasn't married. I don't know. He never talks about his wife. He probably drove all his friends away. But the Lord says, is it right for you to be angry? And he went and sat down and, you know, his plant died and then it happened. And God, and then verse 9 God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. You know, I don't know if this guy ever got it, but he was all, he, he, he left the heart completely out of it. You know, he went and performed his duty, went to Nineveh, like God said, rescued him out of the middle of the sea, performed his duty, but he was mad that God showed up and performed a great miracle. I mean, that miracle's even greater than, you know, fire and brimstone coming down and killing everybody. But man, I can find my place. You know, God, he did this. And it's, no, there's got to be a heart behind what I'm doing. It's not just following the word of the Lord and doing what he says. God, put that heart in me that I can find you in the middle of what I'm doing. In the middle of, of what, I'm, what I have put before me. Um, let's look over in uh, Micah. We're right here at Jonah. So we'll just go next door to Micah. Uh, it's Micah 6. <clears throat> we can, um, as I mentioned before, we, we can overcomplicate things, I think, and, and I'm so thankful that the situation we have now and the opportunity we have now of being able to enter His presence boldly before the throne of grace and find help in time of need is is so available to us when we use it. You know, back when it was so complicated, I mean, you think about the priests. You talk about duty. Performing all that butchering at the temple in the bloodbath that that must have been. You think, out in the desert when it's hot and dry and stinky and all those animals that they were killing at the front of the temple, 
Holy cow. That would have been, you think of the flies, or a dead cow, I should say, right? <laughs> but all the flies and the stink and the yuck that would have been right there. I mean, they were collecting all this blood. I mean, they must have had some kind of a cleaning because, man, you talk about quite a process to be able to come to the throne of God and look for forgiveness. But we have such an opportunity now no matter where you find yourself, where in the season of your life you are, in the depths down there with the fish in the bottom of the sea, feeling like you're performing your duty and not, you know, getting whatever you think you deserve for that, whatever it is, in the middle of wherever you find yourself today, there is access to that throne of grace. There's access to come in the time of need in whatever place you find yourself in. And <clears throat> I think we, we just, sometimes we just need to simplify what, <clears throat> what our thoughts are. And this, this, I want to read this here. This is um, uh, chapter, Micah 6, verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And this is what, up until this point, they did have to go through all these things, the rams and the cows and all this stuff. <clears throat> but here it is, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? It's a lot of stuff that just distilled down there, you know. It's forget all the all the stuff that I have to bring and feel like I need to sacrifice. It says, I've shown you what the Lord requires. Do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. You know, Jesus said a couple times of, you know, what do the people would come to him asking, what do I need to do to be saved? And what do I need to do to, you know, have eternal life or to, you know, What's the way? You know, tell me what the formula is. And he distilled the whole law down to the two things of love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I think that's where God wants us to come to. Is that all the you know, we've we've gone through changes here recently. A lot of things have changed. But it comes down to if I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, I'm loving you guys as I love myself. And, that, you know, I've got to love myself too, right? If i got those things, if that's, if, that's, if that's where my heart is, all the other things are going to fall into place. I don't have to worry about the rules and the regulations and the, the drudgery, whatever it is. God, if I, I've got to come to the place where I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. That's, that's where the life is. He is so much, you know, we've heard a lot recently about relationship and about, you know, um, the need for us to have that, that personal connection to God. And as we sow to that, that's, that's where the love is going to be built. You know, it's not something that I can drum up. It's, it's not, God's not Santa Claus sitting there and just handing out presents whenever I ask him to. He wants us to seek and to find, to pursue him, 
and that's where we're going to find them in our life. You know, Richard said recently, I think, um, you know, just, just because you asked once and didn't, nothing happened, don't take that as a no. Don't take that as God doesn't care about me. He wants me to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep beseeching him for situations that I can't do anything about. <clears throat> beseeching him for the issues of my own heart that seem insurmountable or seem that I've, I've dealt with this thing so many times. He wants me to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. That, that's where the relationship and the love is going to be built. Is when I, when I that continual coming to him. I get past the duty. I get past the, the just going through the motions and getting to the heart of what God's looking for. Um, you know, <clears throat> the Lord requires do justly. Um, I think we, we don't want to find ourselves with uh, differing, differing weights in our bag, as it says in, I think it's Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, one of the two. Read through Proverbs sometimes. That's, that's what the kids hear. Read through Proverbs sometime. They're a little short. My dad used to tell me, there's, I think there's 30 chapters in Proverbs. He's like, read a proverb, one, one of the chapters of Proverbs every day, every month, and you'll, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Anyhow, that was, that was a freebie. Um, but, you know, do justly with, with one another. You know, <clears throat> that's a simple thing. We, we don't want to have differing standards of the way we deal with people. We've got to have the same love and the same care and the same, um, <clears throat> the same grace, the same mercy for, for, for all of us, for each one of us, you know, do justly. To love mercy. I love mercy when it's coming my way, you know. Sometimes mercy is where you least expect it. Mercy for Jonah was that fish that was down there giving him a second chance. I love it when it comes my way. But we got to have that same mercy for for everybody. You know, there's so many of us that are in battles that nobody else sees and can't even comprehend, really, because my nervous system's a lot different than yours. But we have to realize that all of us are going through stuff and, and have the mercy to extend to each other to, to let you, you know, walk through your battle and not judge you for it. Love mercy. It's one of the things that's distilled down here in the law. <clears throat> walk humbly with our God. God, walking humbly with Him is, you know, I think acknowledging the places that He's met us and the places that He's provided for us. And, you know, it's not, it's not the guy walking around with his Bible and pulling it out and trying to be pious. And it's, it's just walk humbly. God, I'm going to do the things that you set before me. It's, it's not a big, it's not, we don't need to make a movie out of what we're doing. We just do the thing that's set before me. And I know you're going to meet me in the middle of that. But we can distill all that stuff, the, the burnt offerings and the calves and the rams. It says, I've shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of me? And this can all be distilled down to loving the Lord and having the thing that we're doing here not be just a lifestyle and a denomination. God, work this thing on the inside of my heart. Don't let the years go by and not have something change, something be worked in and in, uh established in my heart because there's a lot of distractions out there you know and there's it's easy to uh, it's easy to get sidetracked you know these days you can't look at the news or anywhere without hearing about you know pretty pretty decent football player and some chick that sings songs getting together and they're just it's like 
can go off on a tangent and all of a sudden it's this huge it's like everybody needs to know about this and every little detail and whatever it's like you know it's probably going to be some breakup song about some tight end is going to be working there somewhere you know, that's, his, that's his position you know but anyhow you take that off the tape but, but it's just it's just crazy the distractions what can come up and just completely get take you off the course of what's important you know and it, it doesn't take much to to spark that flame and you can be going in a million different directions. But God wants us to be focused. Make this a matter of the heart. Because um, there's a war on. You know, I just looked at the news this morning and it's the first, the first thing on the news is Israel's getting attacked by, you know, and it's always been, Israel's been a sign of, of the church and what God's doing in the church. And, you know, it's a pretty blatant attack. There's always been the, the, the under-the-ground rumblings, but to have this full-on frontal attack going on right now, it's like, what's God saying to us? You know, we're, we're in a war. We're in a war for our soul. And the only way that we're going to win that war is to surrender ourselves to God and say, God, I want your, your purpose. I want your, your, um, your life to be formed in this vessel. Amen. So let's let's go past the duty. You know, I'm preaching to myself here. I challenge you today to uh, ask the Lord for something specific for kids, anybody. Just ask the Lord for something. Be specific with the Lord and, and, and ask Him about it. Say, God, show me show me Yourself today. Speak to me in a, in a personal way. Something that I'm looking for. And keep asking Him, and He'll. Uh, He'll meet you. He will. If we keep seeking and asking, he'll meet us. Amen. Okay. No, there's a memorial service today for um, up in up in Fairbanks. Uh, there's there's a lot of people going, right? There's quite a few. It's kind of kind of some slippery conditions out there. Ask the Lord for safety on the road. Eleanor Marsh. Yeah. <clears throat> um, tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Believe for a good time there. Um, I think your Mary, your sister, passed away. So keep Mary in prayer. Um, anything else? All right. We well, thank you, Lord, for this day that you set before us. We ask you for uh, your leadership. God, we surrender our hearts to your work in our life today. We ask you that you would keep everybody safe as traveling today, Lord. We uh, thank you for your, your strong arm that goes before us. And we allow ourselves to be carried today. Amen.